0: Mac Power Users, episode 52. Getting ready for Lion.
1: Hello, friends. This is David Sparks, and along with me is Katie Floyd. Hello, Katie.
0: Hey, David. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, but we are changing the show. We were supposed to be doing a question and answer show, but we're not.
0: No, we're not. Sorry about that. We we kind of got sidetracked by WWDC a little bit.
1: Yeah, so Apple has announced that they're releasing Lion in July. And uh, in the, before they had said it was sometime in the summer, we had always planned to do a show about getting ready for Lion. And we decided since, you know, they could release it as early as early July, we might as well just get the show out so people have a chance to get ready. So here we are talking about Lion.
0: Yeah, yeah here we are. I guess Lion, you know... We were speculating when is line going to come out. Typically, when Apple says July, they mean like the last possible day in July. But there's there's now no longer a need to burn golden master DVDs, so there's no longer that lead up time that we're used to. So it it really could come at any time.
1: Yeah. So somebody could flip a switch at any time, and the App Store could populate with this new operating system. So, so
0: we wanted you to be ready.
1: So you are going to be ready.
0: Yeah. Um so let's uh, we we put our Q&A uh, show on hold. It's going to be on hold until the end of July. Sorry about that, but please do continue to send in your questions, um feedback at com, or you can send in our audio questions to our our voicemail. That number is 706-457-6937. We'll have all that information at the end of the show, but let's dig into LINE for now.
1: Yeah and we have a we have a surprise guest coming in for another uh, workflow show in July too so you have that to look forward to good deal okay all right so you start face
0: it. what do i need to know about line
1: 30 bucks
0: wow for as many apps as i have authorized to install off my mac app store account
1: yeah so if you've got all the houses in i'm sorry let me try that again if you've got all the computers in your house on the same mac app store account Thirty bucks, and you've downloaded it for everybody. I mean, I remember spending. It used to be like you always spent two hundred bucks every time they came out with a new operating system because
0: for a family pack, yeah, yeah,
1: which was a good deal. You know, I mean, I at the time felt you know, so you'd get it and install it in everybody's uh, computer in the house. Now thirty bucks, you're done.
0: I think this is Apple's way of saying we really want people on the Mac App Store. We really want people in that ecosystem. We want people to upgrade. You know, before they said we were giving you Snow Leopard for a reduced price because it. You know, it was more evolutionary than revolutionary. And and now Lion, here we go again. I don't don't know. Maybe they they set themselves in with the president and it was hard to get back back out of that. Yeah,
1: Also, I just think apps have got cheaper as it's been distributed bigger as you can get more sales. It's a lot easier to sell apps now. And uh, Apple is a victim of its own creation to a certain extent. I don't think they can go and charge as much as they used to.
0: Right, and by distributing through the Mac App Store only, they're certainly saving a bundle and overhead cost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk a little bit about the basic requirements of Lion. How do I know that my Mac can run Lion?
1: Okay, so what are they?
0: Well, you have to have a a Mac that will support 64-bit. So that means you need to have an Intel Core 2 Duo or better. So you've got a Core 2 Duo, a Core i3, Core i5, Core i7, or uh, a Xeon processor in your Mac,
1: and that goes back, I think, about four years.
0: Yeah, I think my original, well, not the very first, but one of my black MacBook MacBooks had a Core Two Duo, but not the originals. Yeah, so it does go back several years.
1: They have the Core Duo, which is not a Core Two Duo, and right. if you're on the Core Duo, you got a problem.
0: You got a problem. The way that you can tell is you go into um, the Apple menu you go into about this Mac and that will be the information right there. It will tell you what kind of processor you're running and how much memory you have. And that's another thing you need is you need a minimum of two gigabytes of memory um, to run lion.
1: Yeah. My, uh, my iMac is a core Two Duo, and it's just a little over three years old. So okay. I think we're, we're right in that ballpark. Excellent. Apple's pretty aggressive about that. I mean, if you look at uh, windows, they you know, traditionally try and support backwards longer at least on the computer. That's not true, I think, on the uh, on the phones. Right. But, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of aggressive with that, but that's okay because you get some really great stuff with them being able to to jump like that, although it does stink if you're on an older Mac.
0: And, you know, some of the unofficial requirements of Line is, is obviously it's a 4-gig download from the Mac App Store, so you are going to have to have ample hard drive space, number one, to be able to hold this, um, and number two, presumably, although they haven't given us a firm number, to be able to run this and, and, and load it on top of your current OS, as well as to be able to create um, that recovery partition that we'll talk about a little bit later. I generally tell people as a rule of thumb, you don't want to be running your Mac anyway without, I don't know, 10% of your drive free, although that's, that's not quite as hard and fast rule now when you get in these very large size hard drives.
1: Yes. And you know the other thing is this download capacity you know in america we're pretty lucky in terms of you know the amount of gigs we can download on our home accounts
0: in terms of bandwidth caps not necessarily in all areas and speed though
1: no i agree and there we definitely have our issues here but i just got an email from a listener in australia who said this 4 gigabyte download is a big deal it's like a big big chunk of his monthly allotment right so he's going to use that up and if he's going to have it for multiple computers in the house does he have to download it four times and and burn up all of his allotment. So and that's something that we really don't know all the answers to just yet.
0: Well, we know with the with the current versions of of the developer build, uh, people have been able to um move that installer to Macs within their home. So uh, it would seem likely that you're going to if nothing else at least be able to move that installer to various Macs within your own home uh to be able to support that but if you need to re-download it through the Mac App Store, that that's going to be a full 4-gig download. So,
1: Yeah, yeah, and so, so Apple said at WWDC, this is a download-only, you're going to only be able to buy it through the App Store. I don't know how hard and fast that is.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'd buy that. I mean, there, there are going to be so many special circumstances here. I mean, number one, you've obviously got businesses and educational institutions. They're not downloading this through the Mac App Store, I promise you. There's, there's going to be a way to distribute that. Um, and what about other people who who are buying, you know, Macs shortly after Lion releases, and and they've got, you know, Snow Leopard in the chain. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna there's gonna be a certain time where, that they have to get all of those machines that currently have Snow Leopard out of the the chain because every new Mac is now going to ship with Lion. And in the past, Apple has handled that by doing um, drop in DVDs. I don't know whether they'll do that now by giving you a code that you can go to download Line for free from the Mac App Store or whether they'll just say, here, here's your DVD. In, in the past, there's always been a mechanism, and it may not be a free mechanism, but there has been a mechanism where you can request a DVD from Apple.
1: Yeah, It also seems kind of silly that you know the only way you can get into the App Store is to have Snow Leopard installed.
0: That's true. O- according to Apple, the official Apple line is one of the requirements to have line is that you must be up to date on Snow Leopard, and you you need to be running at least ten point six. I believe point six um, is is when we first saw support for the Mac App Store. Don't quote me on that, but basically an up to date version um, of Snow Leopard. So uh, that's that's another interesting question: is that you know is Apple going to continue to sell Snow Leopard? Because in the past, after they've released a new operating system, the old operating systems have gone off the shelf and it, it seems very unapple like to say, hey, here's our brand new operating system lion. Oh, oh yeah, and that box over there in the corner, that's no leopard. You can still buy that.
1: Yeah. Or just say you need to buy that first. If you're going from anything before ten point six, you're gonna to have to go buy the old operating system and install that and then upgrade that to the new one. And it just doesn't seem really good to me I, I i can't imagine that they don't have a better plan than that but i guess we'll find out
0: yeah i guess we'll find out although you know if, if you're running leopard on a machine you haven't upgraded to snow leopard yet it, it might not be a bad idea to pick up a copy of snow leopard before line comes out yeah and frankly
1: you should be running snow leopard if you're running right. a mac that's capable of it right i i I believe with Apple, I mean, well, and we'll talk about this later in the show. You need, you don't necessarily need to jump on the very first day, but in general, these updates and these improvements are are useful. And why not? Right.
0: Um, a a little bit about um, you know, what what happens if you've recently bought a Mac? And I I did learn some from from some friends who have recently bought Macs um, about the up to date program. Is that according and and these are friends who have contacted Apple and said, "Hey, look, I, I purchased a Mac." what do I do, um, is that if you purchased a Mac after June 6, 2011, which is the date of WWDC, and and the key date is the invoice date, the date that shows on your invoice, which is typically the ship date, uh, you should be eligible to upgrade to Lion for a discount, although at least as of the date that we're recording this podcast, there's not specific information available on the Apple website. But if you go to apple.com slash up to date, they, they do have a placeholder in there that just says check back in July for more information.
1: So what if you need a new Mac right now? What do you do?
0: Well, that's a good question. I might be in that boat. Uh, you know, if you need a Mac, if you really need a Mac, buy it. Buy it. It will have Lion. Y- your absolute worst case scenario is you're out 30 bucks to buy. Or I'm sorry. Buy it and it will have Snow Leopard. In your absolute worst case scenario is you're out 30 bucks to buy Lion. Um, but my guess is you're probably not even out that because Apple will have some kind of program to accommodate you.
1: Unless, I would say, at this point, you were looking to buy a new MacBook Air. I think that you know this rumor mill seems to be really grinding hard that we're getting a refresh of those very soon. So uh, unless well, you really need one of those, I would wait. But,
0: that may be. But I, I think your question was, what if you need a new Mac? Yeah. If you don't need a new Mac, then I would say wait until Lion comes out. Yeah. But if you need a new Mac, buy it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh so it's only in the Mac App Store at least that's the company line but we'll maybe find some more stuff out about that yeah, 4 gigabyte download good for everybody in your household um you know is there any authentication or how's the install going to go um i suspect uh, I, I am in the developer program so i've been using line for several months so i'm kind of walking the line here <laughs> but i suspect this will be like every other mac install where you really don't need to have codes and you know that kind of stuff that other develop, uh, other software companies often require.
0: Uh, well, in and of itself having it through the Mac App Store is going to offer Apple some protection if, if you're speaking about piracy protection or something like that. So Apple's going to get get some protection just by virtue of being in the Mac App Store, but but typically the the code that you need is is you're going to have to authenticate with your Mac App Store account if you want to re-download it.
1: Yeah. And the the big question is, can we make a burnable DVD? Are there other ways we can move this around, like for these people with these bandwidth caps? And I think we'll cover that later in the show. But first, let's talk about our first sponsor.
0: Yeah, our first sponsor is Smile Software. And we want to talk about one of their products that we don't talk about often, and that's Disc Label. And, you know, David, it's summertime, and we'd see we've got Father's Day. We've got um, uh, Mother's Day was a couple of months ago. We've got School is Out. Uh, the kids are participating in all kinds of fun summer activities. This is the season of weddings. This is the season of summer vacations. You're probably taking a lot of photos and doing a lot of fun things. So what are you going to do with all that stuff?
1: Well, you're going to send out some discs to your friends, right?
0: I Yeah, I think you need to. I think you need to share these memories with people. And, you know, nothing looks cheesier than having this, this really nice CD of memories that you just take a Sharpie and, and, and stick some kind of handwritten, you know, Bob's Vacation Photo label on.
1: Yeah, or like, you know, you make a... a- a movie with iMovie. And those new, uh, what do you call them? Those previews? Trailers. Trailers. Aren't those awesome?
0: I love the awesome yeah. trailers in iMovie.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so you make a trailer and then you give it to them on a CD where you just scribbled out. You can't do that. You've gotta have a you got to have a label. Yeah. So, so you um, use the Smile software.
0: That's where Disc Label comes in. So Disc Label will create labels for just about anything. You want to create a DVD jewel case if you want to burn right actually on the label. And you've got one of those fancy light scribe burners it will support that. If you want to create an actual label to go on top of the the CD or DVD, it will support that. And this is more than just, here, let me give you a template and you can figure out what you want to put on it. It has pre-populated templates. You can drag in your own artwork. It will pull in from your your iPhoto gallery. It will pull in from your own photos. Um, And it's got some suggestions that you can easily customize. I mean, this makes it really idiot-proof to make designer-looking labels very quickly. I, and I can't tell you how cumbersome it has been dealing with some of the other software, the very kludgy software that comes with some of these label printers. I just say, you know, forget that Buy disc label. It, it just works. It's Mac drag and drop easy and boom, done.
1: Yeah. I use them professionally too with the, the law stuff. You know, we're giving out pictures to other lawyers and stuff. I, I make nice labels for them.
0: Yeah. Just shows that you're serious. I,
1: I want them scared. I want to know that I don't miss any detail. There you go.
0: Disk Label is available for thirty five ninety five. dollars 95 uh, As always, there is a d- free trial available over at smilesoftware.com. And if you're not happy for any reason, but you will be, there is a 90-day money-back guarantee with all of Smile Software. Um, so you can check out their website to learn more information. And thanks, as always, to Smile for their support of our podcast.
1: Yes, thank you. So uh, we talked about making sure you have the right processor. But, you know, what about your Mac? Is your, does your Mac need any uh, help before we put this new operating system on it?
0: Well, you know, you have to meet the minimum requirements. And, and if you meet the processor requirements, you probably have got 2 gigs of RAM. But if not, you know, you're probably going to need to upgrade. But, you know, it's been my experience that whenever Apple releases a new software, excuse me, a new operating system, That it's kind of like getting a little bit of a new Mac because it's it's you know the features are new it's got like a new polish on it and usually your Mac gets a little bit snappier but you know especially considering the software is only thirty bucks this is kind of a good time to take the opportunity to you know maybe consider updating you know upping the RAM in your Mac if if you've got a Mac where the RAM is changeable maybe consider you know upgrading that hard drive maybe going to an SSD maybe going to one of those hard drive you know those uh, hybrid drives. Um, you know, if you if you're kind of on the edge of being able to run Lion anyway, now's now's the time to consider doing one of those upgrades and and maybe prolonging the life of your Mac. So something to think about, and probably something to think about doing pre Lion installs, so that if you have any issues or questions, you you can at least rule out Lion as Lion as a as a potential culprit. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I you know, RAM prices fluctuate, but just recently for my nephew, I upgraded his uh, Mac from two gigs to four. And it cost me under $100 with shipping yeah. and everything out. And, you know, it's a user-upgradable feature in just about every Mac, except those MacBook Airs. You're stuck there. Husky MacBook Airs. Yeah. But, so if you're at 2, I, I think it's definitely worth it. You know, get on, get your credit card out, and go order that 4. If you're at 4, you know, going to 8 is going to help. But it, I think there's a huge difference uh, between 2 and 4 with a modern operating system. And even my nephew was telling me, you know, that it's like a new computer. To him because it runs so much faster. So great time to upgrade the RAM. If you're gonna do a um, you know, kind of a, a fresh install, it's a great time to upgrade your hard drive too, you know, because you can just keep keep the old one out, you've got a backup, you're good. Uh okay. so this is a good time to do that kind of stuff. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, we've got a few weeks before it hits. So if you want to do a RAM upgrade, you know, why not do it now? So you know it's all working right when uh line shows up.
0: Right.
1: Remove the variables, as they say.
0: Right. And especially because, you know, Apple's way of of walking us through a Lion upgrade, and sometimes we do things the way Apple wants us to, and sometimes we don't, is going to be to install Lion directly on top of your current operating system. You know, there's, there's probably some work that you can do now on your Mac in anticipation of Lion arriving that will make that process a lot smoother. And one of them is while you're going through evaluating things, Now's a good time to make sure that all of your software and drivers are up to date. Um, specifically, all of your third-party apps and add-ons are are at their most current versions.
1: Yeah. And uh, when you look at that, uh, you know, the, the default installation method for Snow Leopard was uh, just upgrade the operating system. There was, right. you know, it wasn't. Immediately obvious back in Snow Leopard that you could even do anything else because
0: I wouldn't even say it wasn't immediately obvious, you had to go digging for it.
1: Yeah, it was in the disk utility function. And that was new with Snow Leopard, I believe, or Leopard. I can't remember when they switched it.
0: It was new with Snow Leopard. uh, With Leopard, you had to go look for it, but it it wasn't at least hiding.
1: But it it used to be, there were big buttons, you know, where you could tell it to, you know, nuke and pave or to upgrade and do different things. And I'm sure that they had so many Apple store visits with people who accidentally pushed the wrong button that they just said, okay, that's it. Uh, Unless you go digging, you push one button and it upgrades the system. I have, uh, I can't imagine that Lion's going to be any different than Snow Leopard in that way. Uh,
0: no, I, and, and all signs are pointing to that, that Lion is going to make it much more difficult, if not impossible, um, to do an archive and install or an erase and install on your system. So it, it's even more important to have these things up to date, although, although we'll talk about some ways around that. Okay.
1: All right. I'm probably so, jumping um, ahead. So
0: Yeah, so, you, you want to get to the good stuff, I Yeah, know.
1: so let's talk about then what are you going to do to make sure your system's ready after the RAM and the hard drive and you have the right system going to check your software right
0: yeah and a couple of ways to do that obviously apple's built in software updates always the first place to look and then you need to look at all your third party software did you buy it from the mac app store if so you need to launch the mac app store and see what updates are available you're probably already in the mac app store if you're looking for line anyway look at all your third party software and we've already talked about tools from tech tracker and mac update that that will help you look for that I always remember the issue uh, from I guess it was several years ago now when Leopard came out where the very popular unsanity haxes created blue screens of death. You know, at 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 installation several years ago. So wasn't that
1: tiger that that happened on, or was it leopard?
0: No, it was leopard.
1: Yeah, and it, like people were like bricking their Macs, and they. Oh. It
0: was not good. Yeah. So you really need to be especially mindful of drivers, system preferences, menu items, you know, plugins, you know, things especially that go more at the lower level of the system. Yeah. And the big thing is, you know, we had our Mac maintenance show not very long ago. All those system utilities that we talked about, as soon as you get Lion, are now going to be out of date. Yeah,
1: and that's a big no-no.
0: Yeah, don't use any system utilities, Disc Warrior, Drive Genius, Onyx, Cocktail, uh, any of those that we talked about, until they have been specifically updated for Lion or until the developers have said, this is good.
1: Another one that's like that is um, SuperDuper.
0: Yes, and you know I checked the SuperDuper's website, and um, he is not saying one way or another. He's saying, you know, we hope to have it up to date. You should make a full clone before you do anything and your full clone will still work because we're fully compatible with Snow Leopard. But uh, he's playing it very safe because I think he got burned once before when there were last minute changes by Apple. You know, he won't know if Super Duper works on the final version until he has the final version.
1: Yeah, it was a big deal on Leopard. They were very, it took a long time to get Super Duper working with Leopard and that I remember myself being, you know, anxious to get get it back because it's like that warm, comfy blanket. You still want that around you. And then with Snow Leopard, it seemed like it worked pretty quickly. But I think it
0: yeah. worked right at the gate.
1: Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh so you want to take a look at that stuff. And, you know, frankly, this is a time to evaluate whether or not you need to update. Maybe there's some reason they're gonna keep you from updating because you really need Disc Warrior or you need something that is not necessarily immediately available. And that's even more true in this case because we're losing support for the Power PCs.
0: Yes, there is no Rosetta. And a lot of very popular apps still use Rosetta. Um, A couple of popular ones that you may be familiar with, older versions of Microsoft Office, perhaps one of the most popular versions of Office, uh, Office 2004, still runs in Rosetta.
1: Yeah, but you know what? you got to drop 2004, honestly.
0: A lot of people like it.
1: No, just move on. Okay, twenty eleven. They got macro support. It's 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 really it's time to move on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm older sorry. older versions of the of the Intuit products, specifically the the older versions of Quicken, not Quicken Essentials, but the I, I believe the last one was Quicken two thousand and seven, maybe. Um, which a lot of people are still using because they don't like Essentials. It works in Rosetta. A lot of the QuickBooks type programs. If if you're not on the most recent versions, you need to check those because they probably work under Rosetta as well. And a lot of things that we don't think about because we don't use them directly on a daily basis are drivers, especially if you have specialized printers or scanners. You, you need to check the drivers because those may run in Rosetta.
1: I remember uh, taking that uh, AppleScript class from South Segoian, the Apple VP for automation, right at uh, Macworld two or three years ago, and he was talking about when they get close to releasing a new operating system. He says they have this room where, like, HP and Epson and all those guys come to work on their drivers for the new uh OS. And he says you just walk by then you look in there and they all have like their hands on their foreheads and they all look totally stressed out in that room. Mm. I just have this picture in my mind of it every time. A new operating system. Although it seems like the drivers are working pretty good, uh, in my uh experience with uh with my beta. So that well, maybe it's you not. Know, a big Apple idea. has
0: started including a lot of their own drivers, maybe to to yeah. fix that.
1: Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, so how do you find out? About, okay, you go, yeah, ahead.
0: go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, how do you check?
1: Okay, how do you check?
0: Uh, there are a couple of different ways. One way is to check through Activity Monitor. If you launch Activity Monitor it and, and take a look at the Kind column, um, it will show you whether this is an Intel, PowerPC, or a universal app, uh, or um, possibly a classic app. Hopefully not. If not, it definitely won't run. Or if so, it definitely won't run. The the bad thing about this method is that it will only show you the apps that are currently running. Although this is good because it can show you some apps that are, that are that are maybe hidden that you wouldn't otherwise see. Things that that load at the low level of the the operating system, things like your menu bars and things that that technically are 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 running as apps that you might not otherwise see. So I, I would check there for sure. You can also, if you want to know about a specific app that that you suspect may or may not be a PowerPC app. You can click on that application in the application folder and you can say get info or choose the get info command. And you'll have to look at these one by one, but look at kind. And if it says kind application and it will say Intel, Rosetta, or no, it will say Intel, PowerPC, or universal. So anything that's Intel or universal, you're good. Um, And then probably the best method is to look in the Apple system profiler, click on about this Mac then click more info and then click on the application sections. This will show you a list of all the applications installed on your Mac. And I suggest that you sort it by, um, kind and you can at a glance, see what's Intel, what's universal. And if you have anything that's power PC and remember Intel, or universal is all okay.
1: Yeah. And if it's not okay, then check to see if there's a new version or, you know, check with the developer. Maybe they're working on a new version and, uh, And if you can't get satisfaction that way, I think you move on. I mean, what year was it they went to Intel? Was it oh five or oh six? I can't remember now. I think it was oh five, but
0: it's it's been a while. Yeah,
1: so it's been at least five years, probably six. And if the developer hasn't cared enough to get it to Intel by now, then you know they just it's just not going to happen. I mean, like if you look at Intuit, they they've come out with an Intel version of Quicken. And, uh, depending on who you talk to, it's either great or, or terrible, but you know, that's kind of into its treatment of the Mac anyway, but the, uh, you know, so I think you move on at some point.
0: Well, you need to think about how do you use this app? How are you going to get your information out of this app? Is this critical to your workflow? If it's critical to your workflow, you need to have a, a serious conversation with the developer. If you can get access to that developer and, and what's the deal here, if you can't get an answer from that developer, that's a problem. Yeah, um,
1: maybe you're running like a punch press machine or something. That's got some proprietary software developed for the Mac, you know, but just the usual stuff. Most of our listeners use, you know, writing uh, spreadsheeting, whatever, you know, you do in your daily work. Uh, I think there's an Intel solution out there for you. And if the app that you really like, isn't, embracing intel by now man it's time to move on
0: it is you also need to consider how can you export the data from any apps that you may be leaving behind into another format can you export the data as text can you export the data as a comma separated values can you export the data as some other more generic format that you can then reimport into another uh another supported format does the developer have any suggestions on what type of apps that you use from now and look at alternatives one of the classic examples is uh, iWork. No, not iWork. I'm sorry. AppleWorks. There are a lot of people who are still using AppleWorks. I don't know this for certain because I've taken it off my my Mac long, long ago. But I know uh, I mentioned AppleWorks as an example of an app that's no longer supported. And I got lots of feedback from people saying I'm using it. It's running just fine. So you know, there's no reason for me to stop using it. But check it because my guess is it's probably it may be a universal app, maybe I don't know, but these are these are apps that Apple have decided, or Apple and or their other developers have decided for whatever reason they're not actively supporting anymore and you're really just on borrowed time,
1: yeah, yeah you may be uh you may be staying with Snow leopard if you insist on Apple works
0: well and and that's another thing is you need to be able to make that that conscious decision of maybe you're not moving day 1, maybe you're not even moving month 1. You you may need to stay back and and figure out and develop a plan, but just realize that perhaps you're not moving to to leopard, maybe you're going to or sorry, perhaps you're not moving to lion, maybe you're going to stay on snow leopard, but that day is going to come where you're going to not going to have a choice but to move to lion. So you do need to to start planning for that day.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, So we talked about, you know, getting your software going, making sure you have the right software and, you know, maybe it's appropriate to say you want to do a little bit of maintenance on your Mac anyway, before you start upgrading the operating system. So check for lingering bugs, uh, you know, get yourself into an Apple store if there's any kinds of issues with your Mac before you start updating the whole operating system.
0: Right. You can always, while you still have an installed DVD. Um, you know, boot from that install DVD, check the hardware, make sure that uh, your Apple hardware test comes out okay. Uh, check to make sure that the integrity of your disk is good. Um, go through and make sure you have all your installed disks, get all your information together, and go from there. You know, David, going back to just a second for um, what if your app isn't compatible, there was a, a relatively radical suggestion that I think might be correct that was proposed by some of the editors of Macworld uh, recently talking about this Rosetta switch. And, you know, on the Mac, we do have an alternative, and that is that we can run Windows in a virtualized mode. Yeah. And the the article that I read from Macworld, and I'll see if I can find a link and we can stick it in the show notes, is that with Intuit especially, whose support for the Mac has been lagging for quite some time now, the QuickBook products, the Quicken products, that have been so neglected on the Mac for so many years, but yet their PC counterparts are far superior. If you're not going to be able to run the version that you're accustomed to on your Mac, it might be worth considering running the PC versions on your Mac. Perhaps it's not, not uh, expected for a Mac podcaster to say that, but it's, it's something to consider.
1: Well, you know, I recommended that in Mac at work and the uh, chapter about accounting software. There's some really good third-party accounting um, uh, uh, packages out there for the Mac that are really well done by Mac developers who love the Mac and take advantage of all the um, programming you know, APIs that Apple develops. And then there's QuickBooks, which seems like, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's treated as well as it is on the PC. That's being generous, I think. And I just said in the book, I said, you know, they've got some online solutions. If you really feel you have to be with QuickBooks... Uh you can use, try and use their online solutions, but ultimately uh I'm against using QuickBooks for Mac, the the app, because you can't even export the data easily to share with Windows. You have to go through many steps. Uh I think that the preferred method for running QuickBooks on a Mac is to do it virtually. And that's true in Lion and Snow I'm sorry, in Snow Leopard, and I think it'll be true in Lion as
0: well. I think it'll be especially true in Lion. Yeah. There there are a couple of options. Obviously, Bootcamp, which I don't think is the preferred option in a case like this. If you go with a virtualized environment, you're you're either looking with uh, open source software, something like VirtualBox from Sun or VMware or Parallels. There's a, a, another alternative, a product like Crossover, which allows you to run Windows software or PC software without actually installing Windows, but only for a very, I don't want to say a very limited, but only... It's only tested on a limited number of software, so you may want to install their trial versions and and see if you can get away with an option like that, so that you don't have the added expense of having to buy a Windows license.
1: No, don't don't do it for QuickBooks. I I, I looked no. into it when I wrote Mac at work, and it, they don't. So I think the last version they supported, and don't quote me on this, was like. QuickBooks 2004 or something it was oh, it was That's
0: unfortunate yeah. because it, it would be an ideal use
1: yeah but you know it's okay I mean usually you don't have QuickBooks running all day anyway and you know no, an, an, another option is another strange one coming from a Mac podcaster is you know buy a cheap PC and put it in a corner make it your accounting machine and just be done with it
0: well but but for the cost of buying a cheap PC and the headache related to buying a cheap PC it's it's probably less expensive. Yeah, to buy virtualization software well, depends and, on your, and buy a, yeah. an OEM copy of Windows.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about like in an office environment, you know, right. just have it not, you know, either way. Uh, there really is no good solution to run QuickBooks on the Mac short of of getting yourself into the PC. And I just don't think that's going to change. I think if anything, Intuit's going to embrace this cloud-based data systems more. And that's their ultimate solution for the Mac is to to get the cloud-based Version good enough that Mac people will use it, and they'll just stop dealing with it on the Mac. A native version, but but I also recommend since we're kind of going down this hole, is um, let uh, I also recommend really looking at the other solutions out there. Uh, it used to be called MyOB, and now it's I think called Account Edge. Okay. And I gave a whole bunch of coverage to it in Mac at Work, and you know they it's just they really get it. They're Mac developers, and they have great accounting software. Uh when I wrote the book, they explained that they give a free copy to your CPA when you start using it. So your CPA can have his own version. So, I mean, they just, they get it. And I know they're kind of in a David versus Goliath position because QuickBooks has such a stranglehold on that whole market. But if you want a Mac-friendly developer for accounting software and you can run it in-house and you don't need to be using QuickBooks files, uh, just, you know, you know change gears and go over the, to Account Edge. It's much better.
0: Well, you've got anywhere from, you know, by the time the show releases, let's say two to six weeks to, if you want to install mine on day one, you've got anywhere from two to six weeks to, to answer some of these questions. But there's, there's really no reason you have to install mine day one, much less you have to install mine day one on all of your machines.
1: Yeah, in fact, I, I would recommend you don't. I mean, because there's always something. You know, when the new operating system comes out, uh, there are people who are the canaries in the cage and there are people who are smart
0: I'll do, I'll be the canary. Uh,
1: for instance, yeah, I'm in the developer program, and they <laughs> it, they came out with a new version, and uh, all the advice that we've given so far on the show, I ignored. I just said, okay, just update my system. Let's just see what happens, and you know, it worked. But you did have a backup first, right? Of course, I had yeah multiple backups. You know me, I'm crazy about that stuff. I said, heck with it, let's just see what happens. So I just updated. I didn't do a fresh install. I just I just updated, and all more or less all my apps worked, and I've been using it on a daily basis for. I don't know now, several months with no issues, you know, no major issues. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, that, that being said, uh, if you're smart and not crazy, like, uh, Mr. Max Sparky, just, just wait a month or even okay. wait a couple of weeks.
0: Well, I think we want to talk um, next about gathering up all the information you need to get ready to install Lion. But before we do that, why don't we talk about our next sponsor, who I think can help you out with that, and that's 1Password.
1: Yeah, 1Password holds all of your critical data and passwords on your Mac, and they have an export feature where you can uh, send out a simple text file that's got all that data for you.
0: And one of the features that is perhaps underutilized about 1Password is that they have an option where you can store, and this is where I store them, all of your serial number and licensing information for all of your software. And I've started moving, I used to have that in an Excel spreadsheet before 1Password supported this feature. I've started storing all that in 1Password now. And what I really like about 1Password is that they not only support it if your developer just has a standard serial number, but if your developer does something different like they have like a license file that is used as a key that you have to use to unlock a file, 1Password can store that as well. Or if you have to go to a hyperlink to download a special version of the app that's unlocked for you, 1Password can support that as well for you. So as part of your Lion prep, you may want to consider taking this opportunity to collect all of the serial numbers, all of the download information for all of the software that you plan on using in Lion and getting all of that information in 1Password because hopefully you're already using 1Password, and if not, you should as your one trusted system to manage all of your passwords, you know you're going to have this data with you wherever you need it. You might as well get all of that software installation and all that serial number information in there as well. So it's all in one place, one safe, secure place that you have with you wherever you go. Yeah,
1: I mean, 1Password is the app that keeps giving. Uh, For 40 bucks. not only does it do all the great password creation and protection stuff we usually talk about, it's also just a great secure bank of information.
0: You can buy 1Password for Mac for $40, a family license for $69.95, uh, an iOS hybrid license that will work on the iPhone and the iPad for $14.99, or a single license for either an iPhone or an iPad for $9.99. And if you click on the link in our show notes, you can save 20% on any of the desktop versions. So you can find more information at 1Password.com. And thank you to them for their support of our show.
1: All right. So getting your information together.
0: Yeah. I want to hear again about your Magic Install DVD at some point.
1: Yeah, you know, or talk, CD or,
0: or hard drive or whatever you do now.
1: I looked back and we did a, a show. I think it was Mac Power Users episode nine, and, okay, or eight. I mean, it was way back there, and it was for getting ready for Snow Leopard. And at the time, I talked about the Magic Disk, where that I was a long time. Yeah, ago. I keep a. I think it's a Hazel rule I use, and when I download a new DMG, it monitors that that folder, and after a day or two, it drops it into. A, a, uh, a folder on my Drovo. So I've got all these install images I'm just constantly sending over there automatically. So when I need to find something, I've always got it there.
0: Um, so what does you, your Hazel rule say? Your Hazel rule watches your, your downloads folder. Yeah,
1: if the file is a DMG okay. and it's been there, I think, longer than two days. Um, okay. Because you, you want to keep it there for a couple days because you're going to install it and you might not install it right away. Because everybody turns off the Safari auto install, right? Yes, you do. And uh, then it, it it just moves the the uh, folder to the the Dropbox. I'm sorry, to the to the Drobo. Okay. To a dedicated folder called Software. Okay. And there it sits. And if there's a duplicate, it replaces the duplicate because sometimes they're the exact same name. Sometimes they're a different name. Then you'll go in there and you'll find you have like 15 copies of an app because everyone has got a new date or version number attached to the file name. But the bottom right. line so is, so you have
0: to go in and manually clean that out.
1: Yeah. So the bottom line is, you've got a, um, and I probably, if I got smart, I could come up with a script or a shell script or something to do that for me. But
0: no, why don't you do? Let me know and send me a copy.
1: Yeah. Well, either way, uh, I have to admit uh, that. So that used to be my 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 thing. You know, I always okay. had this thing going, and then I would uh, go off Drobo, and I would copy all those apps onto a portable hard drive. Whenever I wanted to set up a new Mac or whatever. So I could just pull them off the hard drive and just put them on. But over the years since we recorded that show.
0: Over the years. In the 18 months.
1: Has it been? I, I don't know how long it was since we recorded that show. But to be honest, I don't do that as much anymore. I still have the rule running and I'm still collecting these files. But, you know, lately I've been, when I've been installing new Macs, I've just been setting up the software I need right then as you need it. And then adding stuff as I needed it. And and then I know I've got the most recent version. So I'm just not using it as much. But there are some things on that that drive that I still like that I wouldn't remember to get if I didn't have that little drive. For instance, you know, I've bought a bunch of fonts over the years from comic book fonts, and I have a folder in that partition with the fonts. And I have like some I have some uh, keynote themes that I bought uh for to improve keynote. So there's some stuff in there that I definitely need. And I also have a little folder of Apple scripts I use. So I still kind of use it, but I'm not as religious about it as I used to be, particularly with respect to the apps. And I think that's also partly due to the App Store, which I've fallen in love with. I I just love the App Store on the Mac. I think it's great. You know, I tap the little button. It tells me what needs to be updated. Uh, When I'm setting up the Mac, I can just go put in my credentials and see all the software that I bought and install it with just one click down the row. I love it.
0: I think the Mac App Store is, is going to change the way we do this. Um, if not with this version of the OS, definitely with the next. I would hope that at, at some point in the future when we do some kind of migration assistant, although perhaps the need for a migration assistant um, will lessen over time, that that would just be an automatic part. Okay, hey, migration assistant detected that you know I need to go to the Mac App Store and, and download your stuff. I do a, a little bit of a hybrid approach to that. Well, okay, I guess not a hybrid, a little bit different approach. What I do is I I know, because I have all my information stored in one password, so I just sort it by name. I go into the serial number section and I sort it by name. Or I look at the applications folder on a clone drive. And I look and I see, because we know that there's certain apps that I'm always going to install right away on a new Mac. So either while I'm waiting for, usually like the night before the install, I'll know that there are certain applications that I want, but I know that I want the most recent version. So in order to make the process as fast as possible, I will download my mission critical application, whatever your mission critical apps are that you install immediately. I, I download those. I also have um, DMGs uh, stored um, for software that I, I have CDs for. I've got those stored on the Drobo as well uh, as backup copies. And so I'll download those the night before, so I know I have the most recent copies, just so that I'm not waiting for downloads on the day of. So I don't do everything; I don't download everything the night before, um, but just perhaps this mission critical apps.
1: Yeah, and we're kind of talking now, assuming that you're going to install Lion with the kind of the the root install where you start over.
0: Right. I guess we should talk about the install process. We've been wanting to get to that all show.
1: Yeah. Um, Is
0: it time? Yeah, well,
1: you know, as we were saying earlier, we talked about a little bit that, you know, by default, it's just going to upgrade. Right. And, you know, I would, you know, it's hard to recommend things because there's so many variables and I don't want someone writing me how I ruined their life because they did something I recommended. But I think really it's not a bad idea just to tap the upgrade button and just let it do its thing. And when you're done uh your system is upgraded you have new operating system but all your you know mail rules are still in place and all of your apple scripts are still there and the apps you like are still there and your data is still in place i mean it takes you know probably an hour to do the upgrade maybe more maybe less but at the end of the day you're back to work on your mac just with a new operating system and you know in the past where i'd say hey this is a great time to just kind of get a fresh start why not just just use the upgrade and then see what happens. I mean, you can always go and do the reinstall in a few months if you're having trouble. Okay. But I know that's not your thing. No, that's not my thing. All right. So tell me,
0: but I might do it this time just because um, I I may be in a situation where I have to completely reinstall my Mac a, a month before lying. Unfortunately, I've, I've suffered a failure of my Mac's hardware that is either hard drive and or logic board related. And uh, I, I may be in a position where I have no choice but to do a complete install and upgrade of Snow Leopard. And if that's the case, then I probably will install Line right on top because I'll be running on such a fresh install. But I must say, especially with the MacBook Air, I've I've been running things very lean, clean, and mean. So I'm not as concerned about installing things on top as... Perhaps I would have been on previous systems where I've migrated and migrated and migrated and migrated. That being said, I generally am a plan, uh, am a fan of doing a clean install or an erasing install, whatever you want to call it. Although I don't know that that's going to be an option in Lion. You know, there are rumors that there's going to be this option to burn this bootable DVD, kind of not as a supported method, but as an unsupported method of burning this bootable DVD and perhaps you'll be able to do an erase and install from that. That is unconfirmed. We don't know if that download package that you get from Lion is a full install of an operating system or whether it's designed to go on top of a current operating system. I have suspicions, but we don't know for certain. What we do know is that Lion does install a partition, or not perhaps install is a bad word, create a partition on your hard drive that they call a recovery partition. So from a wor- I hate to call it a worst case scenario, but... If nothing less, you should be able to install Lion line on top of your existing partition or on top of your existing operating system. And then if you then decide that you want to go back and do an erase install or a clean install, you can then do that from the recovery partition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, again, you know, the upgrade isn't such a bad idea. Just press the button. What was it? what they Everest, say? David.
0: Are, are you the same David Sparks I talked to 18 months ago?
1: Well, I just, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just think maybe because I'm just too busy right now to say, oh, this. I just
0: don't have time to deal with this. Just, so you trust Apple? You trust that Apple's going to make it work?
1: I, I did. I, when I took the green, was it the red pill or the you green? You did it with a beta. Is it the green pill or the red pill? I forget.
0: Uh, maybe you just take both pills and what happens. Yeah. I
1: think I did. I think okay. I did. I just put I just pressed the button and uh, didn't regret it so
0: and and no disaster has become of you yeah
1: but you know and and we're not really talking in this show about all the uh the chocolate covered awesomeness that comes with wine. I think we're gonna do another show on that because there's some really amazing stuff, but uh, either way, I mean, you know if you what's the worst that happens? I mean, you're listening to the show so you've got a backup, right you know
0: oh, one would hope
1: yeah. Either way. Uh, so I, somebody's life is going to get ruined for taking my advice. So I am <laughs> to, to give it. You can it.
0: email David yeah. at Mac.com. No.
1: Anyway, but uh, hitting the upgrade button really is pretty painless. But if you're going to go ahead. But do your and,
0: homework beforehand. Yeah. Hitting the upgrade button should be painless so long as you've done your homework yeah, beforehand. Yeah, and I think
1: if you do all the stuff we've talked about in the show. And for the love of Pete, make several backups before. Yeah. you know, Make a super-duper backup. Make a time machine backup. Do you know, give it the whole works. And I, and I, when I, when I did hit the button, I had probably three backups at the time. So,
0: so should we do like a, a final pre flight checklist?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. So, number one, backup.
1: Yeah. Number two, I mean, backup.
0: Number three, backup. Okay. Okay. Um, number whatever. Um, make a final check to make sure that you have all of your up to date installers, all of your up to date serial numbers. The last thing that you want to do is find yourself either in an intentional situation of doing an erase install, or worse, in an unintentional situation of doing an erase install, and find that you're missing an installer CD, or you're missing a serial number, or you're missing something that you need.
1: Okay. Well, um, uh, make sure you don't have any of those hacksies, add-ons, plugins that you know you're critical.
0: Yeah, you might want to consider temporarily deactivating all of your little third-party system add-ons, your login items, your plugins. You can always reactivate them later. Yeah. Um, As a precaution, you might also want to consider deactivating or deauthorizing any type of software that only has a number of activations, like the Adobe Suite, iTunes, things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Make sure uh, repair disk permissions, verify the uh, startup disk.
0: Right. Make sure that's all good. That do was on fi- our,
1: our maintenance show, told how to do that.
0: Right. Do a final sync of Me. As long as you got it, you might as well sync it. Um, make sure your Dropbox is synced to up to date, any other online services that you, that you sync. Make sure that all of your iDevices are synced. Your podcasts are downloaded, your update on Mac Power users, your apps are all updated, and everything is all synced and ready to go.
1: Don't upgrade in a hurry.
0: No, you don't. This is not something you want to do as you have 45 minutes before you have to jump on an airplane.
1: Or if you have to give a presentation the next day or anything. I mean, do this on Saturday. Get yourself a pizza, you know, two Make liter bottle nice of Coke. this
0: all-day affair. This is a great way to spend a Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, do, do it with a day where you know you can get the upgrade done and you can spend several hours getting to know the new OS. And, you know, just so give yourself some time. Yeah. When you do this stuff in a hurry, stuff inevitably goes wrong.
0: So I should not do this the weekend I move?
1: Probably not.
0: You know I'm going to. Yeah. I would suggest that you unplug if, uh, any unnecessary devices from your Mac. If you have a laptop, unplug everything but the power cord. If you have a desktop, unplug everything except power, keyboard, and mouse. Absolutely. There was that one OS upgrade a couple of years ago. I think it was 10.2 that bricked some hard drives, including one of mine. So I've always done that.
1: Yeah. I just uh, re- eliminate variables. Make it easy.
0: Pretty right. And, and above all, um, or not maybe above all, but make sure you read. If, if Apple puts a readme file on, on the download or if there are any instructions or if there are any last minute information from Apple that's available, it's probably out there for a, a reason. So uh, make sure you read any documentation that's available officially from Apple.
1: Yeah. After um, you do the install, make sure you check your software update.
0: And then check them again. Yeah. And check them again until it says no more software updates. And then check the software updates again for any third-party applications.
1: And don't immediately start writing over your Snow Leopard backups.
0: Keep no. In fact, I always, I, you know, because we told you in step one, two, and three to make backup, backup, and backup. And take at least one of those backups and put it on a shelf for a while. I, I would say at least a month.
1: Yeah. Good idea.
0: To make sure that, that everything is okay.
1: So what's your plan?
0: You know, in the past, I've always done an erase and install, but I don't know that that's going to be an option. Um, I think I'm probably going to install on top and see. You know, David, I think I'm going to take your advice. I think I'm probably going to install on top and see how it goes, particularly because I run my MacBook Air very lean, clean, and mean, and the fact that I may be getting hard drive replacement the couple of weeks before Lion releases, and, you know, I, I, I may have that opportunity to do that clean install after all. I'm going to do the
1: same thing because I'm already running a line. So when I buy the final retail, I'll just install it over the top of the existing one. So I don't see any problem with that. And I'll, uh, I don't plan on doing a rebuild if something goes wrong and I need to do one. I can always do one. I agree with you. I mean, using the tools we've talked about today. It really doesn't take that long to rebuild a Mac, but I'd rather not. I mean, I have all my rules set and everything. Yeah,
0: I've got it down to a science now. I think I yeah. can do it in a
1: couple hours. Yeah, no, me too.
0: We but, should do a show on that.
1: But there's can al- we do a show on but that. But there's always something you miss, you know. There's always there is. and there's you know like like my OmniFocus preferences or something. There's just some little thing that I'll find annoying that I have to go figure out again. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've talked, we've covered it. Um, You know, uh, the other thing I was going to say, my plan is just to hit the button, but for the rest of my family, my wife, my kids, I will not be hitting the button until probably, you know, a week or two after it comes out and we don't find about any big problems. Because if I uh, cause trouble with my wife's computer, well, all of mm-hmm. the married men out yeah, there will know. know what kind of trouble that leads to. So I will not mm-hmm. do that immediately. So, you know. For the real nerds, uh, go ahead and just jump in, and the rest of you smart people, just wait a little bit longer.
0: Wait a little longer. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, last sponsor, Omni Group. Uh, the Omni Group has bestowed upon us the Omni Outliner for the iPad. Aww. Yeah, it's a great app. I love it. Uh, did an extended review at Max Barkey. Uh, you know, they really did a good job. I mean, they... The Omni Group, I think, really gets the iPad like most developers don 't i mean they they really understand the touch interface. All of the apps they brought were successful keyboard and mouse apps, and they 've rethought them all and like what they 've done with Omni Graffle and now Omni Outliner and omnifocus it just it's a different experience that 's all I can explain and uh, when i first heard they were going to do omni outliner i was really happy i thought it was one of the most important apps to have on an ipad as an outliner cuz i use them all the time and they, they you know they just rethought the whole thing how do you make a new line and how do you do this stuff with just this touch interface without a stylus and without a keyboard and i think they've they've come up with answers where they're needed and i find it really useful it works with opml so i can jump my files back and forth between I Thoughts,
0: your favorite format ever.
1: Yeah, iThoughts HD and I can send it back to Omni Outliner. I can put it on my Mac, I can put it into Scrivener. Uh they really joined the party. So uh check it out. It's twenty dollars. Uh like everything Omni. If you don't like it, even something you buy for your iPad, they still have a 30-day money back guarantee. So uh if you really don't like it, they I'm sure they'll refund your money, but I can't imagine you won't. They just they they sweat all the little details. Like one of the things about Omni Outliner that just blows me away is the color palette, you know, I mean, when you're putting this stuff together, you want it to look attractive. And they have all these beautiful color palettes that somebody with a much sharper eye than I put together. So it's, it's just so easy, you know, pick a palette and start pushing buttons. Uh, when I want to put colors to, to uh, something on my iPad and I have to go to the color wheel and like find and dial in a color myself, I mean, what do I know? I mean, I'm not good at that stuff. So I love that Omni uh, on, a, on an outlining app goes to that degree of trouble just a great company and a great app and check it out. And, and thanks so much for sponsoring the Mac power users to the Omni group.
0: Yeah. I'm thrilled to have them on board. I've been using Omni outliner for iPad for a couple of weeks as well now. And I absolutely love it. I wish this was available when I was a student.
1: Yeah. And you know, we, uh, you yeah, I don't know if we've ever said before, but we outline every show and Omni outliner, uh, all we 53 do. of them. We do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, feedback, man, we got a lot of feedback. It's all been coming in, uh, everybody listened to us, and they've been putting these comments up on the uh on the show I'm sorry on the website, uh, oh, okay. you know because when we talked about the the dashboard and the menu bar, uh, there was a lot of good stuff coming in uh, from people talking about that and and they were leaving comments, and everybody has their favorite dashboard and menu apps, a few of them I'd never heard of, and some of them I had. Uh, I really recommend going to the website. We'll go ahead and put a link in and looking through that because there's some real smart people that had some interesting thoughts.
0: Right. And it's still not too late. Uh, you know, we keep the comments open on on any of our posts. So if, if you're late catching up to our episodes, but you have a comment on something that you want to add, uh, go check it out. There's also, if you look on the navigation sidebar of our website, there's a, a comments feed. So if you want to subscribe by RSS to the comments, you can do that. There's also an option to. Um, and receive email notifications for a particular comment thread if you want to do that as well. Yes. All right. Well, let's let's highlight some of the feedback and the first first comment we got was from Kevin who is responding to your uh, your tip about unformatting widget and he said for pasting unformatted text from the clipboard, I use the copy and plain test a- text action from within launch bar. Why didn't we think about that?
1: You know, I do it all the time, but I was just so excited about this widget that I wanted to talk about it anyway.
0: Okay. Well, that's another, another benefit of using LaunchBar is that you can copy and paste as plain text. Yeah. And some applications let you do that as well, but it's, it's not universal across all apps yet.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, we also heard from Tim, who talked about instead of Fantastical, he uses QuickCal, which is uh, much cheaper, he says, and also uses a natural language. Uh haven't had time to check it out, but I thought I'd share it. So that may be one you want to check out.
0: Somewhat related to that, we also um, heard from Greg, who said that he likes an application or a menu bar app called Today by Second Gear that sits in the corner of his desktop and shows him the events and tasks from, from iCal, and that he particularly likes this one because it stays on his desktop all the time. No need to put it up in the menu um, or, or in the dashboard. And I guess I misspoke. It's not a menu bar app. It just sits up on the desktop.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Today is a really good app. I've, I've used it before. I like Second Gear software. They've, uh, they've got some good stuff. Uh, also we heard from Chris, uh, who said, you know, don't forget jump cut and jump cut is one of my, uh, original favorite menu bar apps. It's a simple, um, clipboard history and it just holds text for a clipboard. Uh, I don't use anymore because I use launch bar for that. And the launch bar clipboard history is a little better in my opinion, but if you're just using text, jump cut is free and does the job.
0: Changing gears just a little bit, and I can speak to this because I did it last night, Uh, we got a question from Alexander who said, can you follow up on your discussion of Keynote from iPad? And said, the app is now universal and that the remote now works with iPad. And what do we think about that? Um, I recently had to give a Keynote presentation from my iPad and used the remote application on my iPhone. It was wonderful. Well, for the most part, I was able to see the, uh, the current slide as well as the upcoming slide and was able to swipe to change the slides. Now, I did this over Wi-Fi. You can also set it up over Bluetooth. And Wi-Fi, I noticed a little bit of lag, but there were a bunch of other people on the network. Next time, I probably would have set it up over Bluetooth to to try to avoid that. But check it out. It's now a viable option.
1: And uh, now, with the new uh, iOS 5, you can do air sharing uh, over uh, wireless to the Apple TV from an app. I think they call it App. Uh, air mirroring, I forget the exact uh, term of art.
0: With an iPad 2.
1: <laughs> yes. So if you have, you know, I'm not sure about that. It may work with the iPad 1 too. But the, uh, you know, because air sharing works on the original iPad 1. And the idea is you can air share from the app. So uh, we haven't got all the details yet. But, you know, theoretically, you've got an Apple TV installed in your conference room or wherever you're at. You can walk around with your iPad and just uh, broadcast straight to the Apple TV hooked up to the monitor or the projector.
0: Yeah, at ninety nine bucks it's a lot less expensive than a lot of adapters.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh I think it's really uh I think that's a really big move. I'm looking forward to getting into that one deeper. Mm-hmm. We also heard from Tim uh said, hey, instead of Mouse Pose, there's Omnidazzle from the Omnidazzle. Oh,
0: how did we not think about that? Yeah, I no,
1: I used to use Omnidazzle. I was sitting in the speaker room at Macworld and I needed something like that right away, and everybody said Mouse Posey, so I bought it. Uh but Omnidazzle does a lot of that too. Doesn't have as and it's many free. features. Yeah, it doesn't have as many features, but it's free and probably does what you need.
0: Right. Uh, Trevor wrote back, and I was I was mentioning Fantastical and asking, oh, does it automatically update or do I have to open up iCal? Because that's kind of one of my current issues with some of my my apps that I'm using to monitor my calendar. And he pointed us to a recent episode of the MacCast with Adam Christensen, who interviewed the developer of Fantastical. And one of the subjects in conversation was the developer had to go in and build CalDAV support from scratch or the ability for it to sync to the Google calendar and your MobileMe calendar or iCloud, whatever we're going to call this, calendar, without actually having to open iCal. So that's good to know. Now, I just need to know about Exchange support.
1: Yeah, I was talking to the developer for BusyCal who said that um, um, these guys also contacted him to make sure that uh, it worked with BusyCal. I mean, I think they really tried to do that right when they put that app together. Um, We also heard from John who said that a nice dock extension is called overflow. So if you've got too many docks, you can put like folders of icons in your dock. I've never used that, but um, that sounds like a nice app if that's your thing, you know, if you have a lot of apps.
0: Michael wrote in, was talking about having widescreen displays and, and having docks on the right versus the top versus the bottom. And um, I actually moved my dock recently from the bottom. I think I did it in the show. I moved my dock from the bottom to the to the left and set it to hide. And it it took me a while to get back back to you know to get used to it. It was like two days of having to force myself to do it. But after that, I I found that I really liked it.
1: I am just like you. I was shamed into it. I I got so many emails from people saying, "What are you putting your dock on the bottom for?" So I said, "Well, I got to go back and try it again."
0: You put it on the left or the right?
1: Uh, I put it first on the right, and then I ended up with it on the left because I found that it, I was um, accidentally triggering it too often on the right, and yeah. for one reason or another, whether I was you know readjusting window sizes or whatnot. But on the left side, I've seemed to have found a happy place, and now I've once again got the dock over on the left side and hidden. Yes, still hidden. I, I like having the dock hidden.
0: But you still have stuff on. And I still have nothing on mine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, we heard from Robert and he had several comments. Um, uh, one time, sometime he said you, he will pull a widget off of the dashboard and, uh, by clicking and holding the widget while closing the dashboard. I didn't, I forgot you could do that. And so it lets you float a widget on your desktop. Uh, it's just something to know. I, I think that would be good with, um, like some of those widgets that give you uh, keyboard shortcuts or something if you want to just keep mm-hmm. it on your desktop.
0: And he also mentioned about um, if you have one of those widescreens, sometimes it's nice to have the dock on one side or another.
1: Yeah. We got a lot of emails about that. Right. Yeah.
0: And then someone else wrote in, I don't think we have in our feedback section, I apologize, but just mentioning that, that neither one of us mentioned the fact, and I thought I did, but I guess I didn't. um, What do you do with these smaller MacBooks that you're getting now that you're getting MacBook airs and you know, 11 and 13 inches that you're running out of, out of, out of screen real estate for all of these menu bars. You can't, Shrink them. You can't move them. You can't move them somewhere else. You, you got to buy a bigger screen.
1: No, well, I mean, you can you can start looking and economize what you use in your menu bar. If there's a menu bar app or an icon that shows up that you're not using, then you know, get rid you, of it. Get rid of it. And a lot of these apps allow you to turn the menu bar off. Like uh, um, a good example is names escaping me. Uh, something something X. Uh, <laughs>
0: Default Folder yeah, X? Yeah,
1: Default Folder X, you know, where you yeah. can change it. You can put an icon in the menu bar, you can take it out. Uh, one of the I did on my, uh, I think I talked about during the show how I wasn't using uh, iStat menus as much anymore. And on my MacBook Air, the reason is because I don't have enough room to fill can it up with all those icons. Space. So I, I just stopped using it and they have an iStat menu, uh, they have a dashboard app. They also have a, a just a standalone app that you can get off the App Store that's only a couple bucks. So uh, in some cases, I've just removed stuff from the menu bar.
0: Or switched to widgets or switched to apps.
1: Yeah, and uh, one thing you can also know is that uh, on, if you're in that situation where suddenly your menu items from your app have covered up menu bar items on your menu bar, which happens uh, if you have on a, s- a small screen. Especially if you're changing
0: resolutions. Yeah, or if
1: you're on a small screen or whatever. Uh, I find that going to the Finder, because the Finder has very few menu items, uh, a lot of times, opens up those uh, hidden menu bar uh, items. Right. The other thing we didn't talk about on the show was moving the menu bar items, which you can do with the Apple uh, menu bar items, but not with the third-party developed ones, except for a few of them, which must have some very tricky programming going on. Right. To do that, and I should have checked it out. You
0: hold down the the option. I key. always
1: forget. Uh, it's not option key because option key opens up the other options. Is it the oh, key?
0: is it? Is it Com- control
1: command? Command, command So if I you hold the, the command, command. key, uh, tap and hold, you can actually move an item, uh, the Apple menu bar items in the dock.
0: Okay. Very cool. I think I knew that at one point.
1: Yeah. I, I had read, I wrote it down to talk about it in the show, and when we finished recording the show, I saw the note, and I said, whoops.
0: <laughs> I didn't to talk about that. All right. So, David, do we want to tell them what's next? Yeah.
1: I think why not? Okay. We got Dr. Mac coming in.
0: Dr. Bob?
1: Yeah, Dr. Buck, Bob Levitis, a great guitar player, longtime author on the Mac, and a big, big Mac nerd. So uh, And he listens to Mac Power Users. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was very. I was
0: like, oh, I was at Macworld. And I was like, oh, Dr. Bob is not going to know who I am. And then I think I was talking to you, and he turned around and he said, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I was like, oh. It's
1: flattering. Yeah, re- it's so flattering. Really smart guy. Uh does a lot of stuff on the Mac. He does, you know, we talked a lot at Macworld, and he does a lot of things differently than you and I. So I think it's going to be fun. He likes Microsoft Word and uses it all the time. So I'm looking forward to hearing how he does that. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, that'll be a good show. We're going to have him in for a workflow episode. And then after that, we're going to do this question and answer. We've got a lot wow. of exciting things in store. So, you know, stick with us.
0: We do. So if you do want to contact us about anything or maybe send us one of those questions and answer, questions for us to answer, how do you do that?
1: Uh, you can send an email to uh, feedback at macpowerusers.com.
0: You can also leave a comment on our blog if you have anything to contribute to this show or any of our past shows. You can find links to also everything that we talked about in the show at www.macpowerusers.com.
1: You can leave us a Twitter comment to uh, at MacPowerUsers.
0: And I'm Katie Floyd and David's uh, Max Sparky. Yeah, I'm Mac Sparky. You're Max Sparky.
1: Uh, we have a Facebook, so you can leave comments there.
0: Facebook.com slash MacPowerUsers.
1: I, uh, I dropped my Facebook account again.
0: Oh, I haven't seen you online recently.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, I I don't know. I just can't get into it. And I'm getting all these invitations from people that I, I wasn't friends with them in high school. And, you know, now, yeah,
0: you know what I mean. It's, it's just because you're famous.
1: No, hardly. But either way, I just, I, I guess I just couldn't deal with it. And, you know, every time I log in, there were all these invitations from people I couldn't even remember who I haven't seen for 30 years. And I said, I just don't want to do this. Okay. Yeah.
0: And we love iTunes comments. So, and you know, those, some of those other podcasters are beating us with iTunes comments. So it would really make my day if we could ramp up that a little bit.
1: And it would help us find some new listeners as well. So. It does
0: help us find some new listeners. Yeah. iTunes comments help us uh, become featured in the iTunes store, which help us uh, reach out to more listeners. So if you have a few moments, we would appreciate it if you would consider leaving us a comment in iTunes. And one way that you can support the show with no cost to you. Yes. Okay.
1: And thanks to our sponsors, uh, Smile Software, 1Password, and the Omni Group. And as
0: well as LaunchPod. Yes,
1: and fun. And we will see you next
0: time. With Dr. Magnum.